Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Our last podcast had to do with the topic of us refusing to be victims and really comparing and contrasting two women of the Bible, um, Ruth and Naomi in the book of, of Ruth in the Bible. Uh, one who really embraced being a victim, <laughs> lived it out. And then Ruth, her daughter-in-law, who just absolutely refused to be a victim, even though she had every bit as much reason as her mother-in-law did. And so we're going to keep on uh, looking at Ruth. We're going to pick up here in Ruth 2. In fact, if you missed last week's podcast, it's entitled, You're Not a Victim, The Story of Ruth. And this is same title, uh, but part two of that. And so we're going to pick up in chapter two, where we find Naomi. Now, again, Naomi is the mother-in-law who has suffered great loss, undoubtedly. You can't deny it. She lost her husband. Uh, Over time, she lost her two sons who were already married. She found herself in a foreign country and was moving back to Israel, to actually to Bethlehem of all places, uh, because a famine there that had been there before had subsided. So anyway, she's headed back home and um, she's taking her uh, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, back with her. And we're just going to pick right up here in, in chapter 2 of Ruth. It says, now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. Now, she's already settled back in, in Bethlehem. A man of standing from the clan of Elimelech. Now, if you recall from last week's podcast, Elimelech was, uh, was her husband, her deceased husband, and so as part of the clan, they were divvied up into tribes and then clans and families. So part of the same clan of Limelech was this, this man named Boaz. Now Ruth, the Moabite, Ruth again, she's the daughter-in-law, the foreigner who's come back with her mother-in-law, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Now, I'll tell you what, if you want an example of a non-victim, here you have it. Let's let's kind of break this, this verse down a little bit. First of all, she says, let me go. <laughs> I'll tell you, Ruth just refused to be a victim. She lost her husband at a young age. A tragedy struck. Uh, she really had more reason to feel sorry for herself, in my mind, than her mother-in-law. But you know what? Non-victims, they don't hang around and wallow in self-pity, they get up, they take action. And that's what Ruth did here. It says she, she said, let me go (laughs) to the fields and pick up. Uh, Let me go do something. I'm not going to sit around here and be a victim. You know, being a victim is a decision. You choose to do it or you choose not to do it. And here we find Ruth uh, taking the initiative, being intentional and saying, I'm, I'm not going to be a victim. So she said, I'm going to go pick up the leftover grain behind anyone. And, and here's another sign of a non-victim. I'm okay if I'm second. I'm okay if I'm behind someone. I'm okay if I'm picking up the leftovers. I'm all right with that because it's not about whether I'm shining or not. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to live it to the fullest, even if it's behind someone else or even if it's in the shadow of someone else. And then lastly, she says, I'm going to pick up behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Uh, You know, (laughs) victims don't find favor in anybody's eyes over time. They just drain your 
drain, drain you, drain you dry. But a non-victim will find favor in people's eyes and they will succeed and they will prosper and they will move up and they will accomplish great things. They'll be productive. And so um, I love this. I love this saying. It's, uh, it's uh, this. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just win today. You know, Ruth could have been thinking about tomorrow, tomorrow this, and how are things going to work out? My past was so rotten. Instead, she said, I'm just going to focus on the here and the now, the present, and I'm going to do what I need, know I need to do right now. Well, let's read on in Ruth 2. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out. There again, an action in, in play there. Entered, uh, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was uh, from the clan of Elimelech, as we've already mentioned. Verse 4, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. And I can just hear all the harvesters replying, because it says they did, kind of a roar from the fields. Uh, The Lord bless you. I tell you what, man, whenever you find yourself in a godly place, you're going to hear godly things. And that's what you have to do is be a non-victim, get into godly circles, and you're going to hear godly things, encouraging things. Boaz, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does this young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She asked, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Now, a non-victim learned something. If you you stop and think about it, Ruth could have gotten discouraged at any point throughout the day. Maybe there wasn't enough grain behind the harvesters. Maybe it was hot. Maybe it was hard. If she was thinking about tomorrow— what if tomorrow there's not enough food on the table? What if we, what if, what if, what if, what if? But I, I want to venture to say that Ruth, as a non-victim, learned to talk to herself instead of listening to herself. And we need to learn that same lesson as well. Learn to talk to yourself instead of listening to yourself. Now, there's this six-time double Iron Man who's, it's who I'm quoting here. He's the one that said this. How do you keep going? How did Ruth keep going? How did she push herself? She stopped listening to her own doubts and negativity, and she started telling herself what she needed to hear. Powerful, powerful tool that we can use to keep motivated and keep persevering. Verse 8, so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you and whatever, and excuse me, whenever you are thirsty, go and drink uh, water from the jars the men have filled. You know, it's funny, non-victims because I don't know what else to call them. We could call them winners. We could call them victors. We could call them overcomers. We could call them positive-minded faith, you know, faith, faith people. Instead, I'm just going to call them non-victims just to make it very clear that it's the opposite of a victim. But non-victims always seem to find themselves at the right place 
at the right time. And it's because they got up when they needed to get up and went to where they needed to go. And they just focused on the here and now. So non-victims take their eyes off of themselves. They stay alert and aware of what, what needs are around them. And they get things done. They serve where they need to serve. They position themselves for success, as we see Ruth doing here. At this, she bowed down to her face, uh, her face with her face to the ground. She asked him, "Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner?" Boaz replied, "I've been told about you and what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you left your father and your mother, and your homeland, and came to live." with a people you did not know before. Look at this. You know what? The story of a non-victim starts spreading hope and encouragement everywhere. This man had already heard the story of Ruth, and he was able to connect it. Aha, here's a non-victim working diligently in my field, and now I'm putting two and two together. This woman is something else. Her story and your story can begin to spread and encourage other people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and do the things that they need to do on a daily basis. He goes on and says in verse 12, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You know, as I look at Ruth, uh, when you start serving others and thinking about others, you're going to get other people's attention and it's going to pay off for you. Non-victims are going to be richly rewarded by God and they're going to learn to restfully take refuge under God's protection. Psalms 91 talks about the secret place of the Most High God. Listen to you. Listen to me. I want to go into that secret place and find refuge in, in God's, under God's protection. I'm not a victim because he's protecting me. He's defending me. Verse 13, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease. I love that. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have standing, even the standing of any one of your servants. And you, you listen to Ruth's words, and they're full of grace. They're full of wisdom. They're full of authenticity. She's open. She's transparent. And that's how we all need to be. A non-victim doesn't worry about saying the right things or trying to be perceived in a certain light. They are who they are. They're themselves. And that's how we all need to be. Furthermore, I look here at, at these words and I think to myself, you know, Ruth was God confident. One thing is being self-confident, which, you know, you don't, you don't need to be insecure, but far better than being self-confident is to be God-confident. And that's what we see with Ruth. Verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Then she sat down with the harvesters. He offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. That's what a non-victim is like. They're blessed and they have some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to, her, to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. 
Non-victims, you know, they just experience the favor of God. They get big things and little things. They're blessed here and there and all, all, all across the board. And you know what? They appreciate it. Non-victims appreciate even the smallest blessings. They notice what God does. And, and so uh, here we see Ruth. She, she gets uh, more than she bargained for in a good way. In verse 17, so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley that she'd gathered, and amount, it amounted to an ephah, which is, I, I believe, several pounds. And she carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. It must have been quite a bit, surprisingly a, a large amount. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. In other words, some, some lunch leftovers. And I, what I get from this is you you know, is, is non-victims get visible, tangible results in their life. That, and, and it's what victims don't get. The victims seem to always be missing and not having enough, but non-victims get tangible, visible results. Well, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth said to her mother-in-law, about um, about one of the uh, about whose place she was working at the name of the man I worked with today was Boaz. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. And she added, "This man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers." And we'll talk about what that means here in just a second. But look at what's happening here. Picture what's going on here, Naomi who, if you listened to last week's podcast, was as bitter as she could be. She was depressed. She was blaming God. The world was a dark place. There was no hope. And now, after being with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, Ruth's positivity, Ruth's faith, Ruth's hope, Ruth's non-victim mentality was beginning to rub off on Naomi. And that's what happens. Let me tell you what, if you start being a non-victim, your environment is going to change around you because of you, because of God in you, your enthusiasm, your work ethic, your positivity, your faithfulness is going to rub off on other people as we see it doing here with Naomi. Then Ruth the Moabite said, um, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish the harvesting of all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women um, who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. And I always see this, man, it's amazing how God protects us even whenever we don't need, even know that we need to be protected. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and harvest seasons were finished. Now, barley and, and, harvest, uh, barley and wheat harvests took place one before the other, barley first, then wheat. And they started in early spring and went all the, all of the way into sometimes into June. And so th- this was quite some time. This was a, a good several months that she did this, and uh, she continued to live with her mother-in-law. Now we're in chapter 3. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, 
Put on some perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, and then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Well, no story is complete unless there's romance, unless there's something, uh, an, an exciting relationship uh, that's that's potentially there. And here this story has that component, has that piece to it that's so much fun to, to watch. And in all purity, uh, Ruth did this at the direction of her, of her godly mother-in-law. But you know what? Non-victims take risks because of their faith. Do you get that? Victims aren't going to take any risks because they're they're always reliving their past hurts. They're always rehearsing the things that were done to them and how they didn't get their fair crack at life or fair share. But here we see Ruth living life as if she had nothing to lose. And that's how we need to be as well. Live your life as if you have nothing to lose. When God tells you to take a step, take it by faith. Don't worry about the risks. If God is leading you, you're not going to fall. You're not going to falter and you're not going to make too many mistakes because God is in front of you. And so non-victims, you know, they're not they're not afraid of getting hurt. Uh, while victims, you know, they just stay hidden, always nursing their old wounds. But what we need to do is we need to stop opening Pandora's box of the past it's done. It's in the past. God's mercy is covering it. And start looking forward and moving to a higher place with God where he's prepared, that he's prepared for you. So here, here Ruth, it's, it's so cool. I, I see this in her. She's turning a challenge into an opportunity. You can see things, uh, again, you can see the world as a glass halfway empty, or you can see the world as a glass halfway full. Instead of seeing the challenges, begin to see the opportunities that the challenges pre- present. Another aspect I like to, I was kind of thinking about this, is is uh, Ruth wasn't in a defensive posture. Instead, she was in an offensive or attacking posture posture. She was going after an opportunity. So that's another quick thought that I had about uh, about what Ruth did. So she goes down to the threshing floor at night. Um, she tells her mother-in-law, yes, I'll do whatever you say. So she goes down to the threshing floor. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking was in good spirits, it doesn't say that he was drunk. <laughs> I'll point out just in good spirits. After you eat dinner, a lot of times you're in good spirits. He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'I am your servant Ruth,' she said. "'Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my guardian redeemer, um, the guardian redeemer of our family.' The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do all that you ask. All the people of my town that know that you are a woman of noble character. And there's another characteristic of a non-victim. 
Someone who has developed a noble character and is known for it, has a good reputation, is known to keep their word, is known to show up on time to work and stay past quitting time, is known to take the, the, the Walmart cart and put it back where it belongs, is known to tip the waiter. You get it? They're of noble character. And so um, this, is, this is what here Ruth has been, uh, has been uh, showing to her community, and Boaz is, is aware of that. So he goes on and says, Although it is true that I'm a guardian redeemer of your family, uh, there's another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Now, a guardian redeemer, in essence, was a <clears throat> a relative um, who would have been willing to take the property of the deceased man, but at, in doing so, he would marry the widow, but all the offspring would be in the name of the deceased uh, the deceased husband, and therefore the the children would then inherit the property uh, that was being overseen by the guardian redeemer, if that makes sense. So what Ruth, in essence, she was asking to do was for him to take to lay his claim to the the property that was actually uh, Naomi's husband's, but carry on, uh, Naomi's husband's name. So she lay, lay there at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone uh, could be recognized. And he said, no one must be here. Uh, no one must know that a woman came here to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me your shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And so she did. And he poured into it six measures of barley and placed it, um, placed the bundle on her. <clears throat> then she went back to town when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told him everything Boaz had done for her and added, uh, He gave me six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for this man will not rest until this matter is settled today. Praise God. You know what? God gives non-victims the right connections, the right relationships, uh, you know, and, and I encourage you, take note of your close relationship. Uh, what advice are those folks giving to you? Uh, is what they're saying elevating you or is it, is it bringing you down? Are they godly people? We need to choose our relationships and our, 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 the folks that we hang, hang out with that are close to us. We need to choose them very carefully because they will raise us up or they will bring us down. And as non-victims, we need to be bringing up everybody around us. Well, I won't read all of Ruth 4, but in essence, Boaz goes and finds a, a, a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer that was closer and had a, a higher privilege than he did. And he asked him if he wanted to exercise that privilege. Long story short, the man turned him down and Boaz exercised that privilege of guardian redeemer with Ruth and he married her and um, she had a son shortly thereafter 
And so I'm down in verse 13 of, of Ruth 4. And what we find here is a kind of a takeaway that I get from this is non-victims live fruitful and productive life lives. They live with results. They live with visible, tangible blessings in their life because they refuse to be victims. And you can do the same thing. You can start today. You might say, Steve, I've, I've lived as a victim my whole life. I, I've bought into this thought that I'm disabled, or I've bought into this thought that, that uh, this sickness has debilitated me and I'm never going to be able to get up and do anything again. Or I've, I've, I've bought into the thought that my, I'm divorced and therefore uh, you know, I'm, I'm not as good as the next person. Or, or who knows? Who knows what you've gone through? Who knows what's been done to you or what you've done to others? Let me tell you something. You can stop being a victim today. You can get up and do just like Ruth did and go and start doing something. Start serving others. Don't worry about being second fiddle to someone else. Do your best. Refuse to be a victim. You're going to find yourself blessed with being in the right place at the right time, with the right connections, with the right relationships, and certainly under the the protective cover of God Almighty. He's looking for you to, to take that step of faith. Well, if you look on, uh, uh, look a little further in this chapter, it's not any ordinary child that Ruth has. We find that his name is Obed, and Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David, the second king of Israel, uh, the king of, of whose lineage Jesus came from. Unbelievable. Ruth, a foreigner, a widow, a second-rate citizen, <laughs> refused to be a victim, and she was blessed to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Absolutely amazing. So we see that non-victims leave a legacy, leave an example for others to follow. And here, Ruth has been read by millions and millions of people worldwide, encouraged in her approach to life, not letting life get her down. Instead, letting life circumstances actually lift her up. Well, <clears throat> I'd like to make just one more point before we end here today, and and that is... Uh, I talk to a lot of people, and I've I've experienced this myself. But there, there's two different kinds of sufferings in life. One is uh, a physical, an external suffering, uh, maybe because of sickness, maybe because of poverty, uh, maybe because of uh, a, a harmed or damaged relationship. Who knows what it is? But you suffer because something happened, a circumstantial suffering that, that, that occurs. But there's a second type of suffering, and that's the suffering of the soul. And uh, if you've ever lost a loved one, you know what soul suffering is like. If you've ever lost, uh, maybe lost your spouse to divorce or your children and you are, are at odds, there's, there's a soul suffering that can take place. And I want to tell you something. God never intended for you to suffer in your soul the rest of your life. Uh, Ecclesiastes does tell us, I believe it's chapter 3, does tell us that there's a time to mourn, but there's also a time to laugh. The Bible also tells us to rejoice in all things, at all times. Rejoice 
And so while we might be suffering externally because of our circumstances, we don't have to have a soul suffering that continues month after month, year after year. So I'll end with this um, because that, that's what Ruth refused to do. She was suffering physically, but she refused a soul suffering. And her uh, conversely, her mother-in-law uh, suffered in her soul in, in, in a way that was unnecessary. In fact, if you recall from the other podcast, the, 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 the first podcast is um, she wanted to give herself a new name and call herself bitter, <laughs> literally. Can you imagine changing your name to bitter? And everybody, hey, bitter, how are you doing? You know, we, we want to refuse that soul suffering after, you know, a week or two of mourning. Hey, let's get past that. We might continue to suffer physically, but we're not going to have a soul suffering. Let me leave you with this verse, 3 John 2. Now, 3 John doesn't have multiple chapters. It just has one. So so when I say 3 John 2, I'm referring to that verse that's in the single chapter that this book has. But it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants your soul to prosper. He doesn't want you to have uh, indefinite soul suffering. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for my good friends who are listening. Uh, Lord, you know what each and every one of us goes through. You know what, what our listeners are going through right now. Nothing escapes your attention, Lord Jesus. And I pray right now, God, that each and every one of us would make that decision, hey, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I, am, I refuse to have this indefinite soul suffering. I, I can rise above my circumstances. I can rise above any abuse that maybe I've suffered. I can rise above that boss who may be uh, oppressing me and, and making my life miserable or, or maybe a friend or a spouse who's making my life miserable. I am not a victim to those things any longer. And I'm going to seek refuge in the uh, under the cover and the protection of the Most High God. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to stand up and I'm going to begin to serve. I'm going to start doing things instead of just languishing in self pity. And I'm going to make a difference in this world, regardless regardless of what's happened to me. So I just pray for everyone that's listening right now that in the name of Jesus, you would help each and every one of us. And I thank you, Lord, for it. In your name, I pray. Amen.